United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Another big show for you today in this order. Lisa Baird, commissioner of the NWSL, back in action. Eddie Redwanski in his 10th year as the head coach of the Clemson women's soccer team. They kick off their ACC schedule on Saturday against Miami. Big 10 and 10s with Maryland. Three-time national champion Sasha Soroski joined by Maurice Adu. He won a national championship in 2005. He was the first pick in the MLS draft. He was the MLS rookie of the year. Then went over to the Glasgow Rangers. Also played in Turkey. Played for our national team. He's done it all and now is getting it done for Fox Sports. Then we meet another 30 Under 30 member, Claire Knock, by way of England, and she takes it one step further. After her visit, she rounds up three young girls that she coaches as part of the Barcelona program out in Northern California, and we talk to these three young girls, Addison, Addie, Ella, and Mia, about everything they've gone through during this pandemic. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. Kicking off the show with Lisa Baird, the commissioner of NWSL. If you listen to my program, you know I love women's soccer. I love NWSL, longtime voice for North Carolina Courage. And let me tell you, folks, this is a big-time hire. We'll get to the timing in just a moment, but let's first welcome Lisa Baird, commissioner NWSL. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, Lisa. Well, thank you very much. It's exciting to be here, and we just kicked off our fall series, so we're excited to be talking to fans again. You know it, and we'll get right to the series in a moment, but before we do it, here you go. You've had this impressive career. You have worked in sports. You've worked at big business, and now you are part of this elusive committee that tried to find the best candidate. They found you, and of course, they found you right before the big COVID outbreak. What can you tell us about what you remember about that process? Oh, my gosh. You know, it was like I was so excited, and I'm still excited to be the commissioner for the reasons that I outlined to the owners, which is I think the long-term trajectory for women's professional soccer in the United States is better than any other sport, men or women. It has to do with the fact that we have this incredible momentum that global events generate for us. And we also have coming up Men's World Cup here, the Olympics here, two Women's World Cups. So we've just got an exciting trajectory. But I think that any commissioner in any sport has been challenged by this tragic disease and trying to balance the need to keep players safe with the need for players to play, with the need for fans to watch, with the need for our league to be run like a business. And getting all those parts together at the same time is, is proven one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my career. But you did it in short order, and I don't feel like the NWSL has received enough credit for the job they did in that bubble. It was flawless. You were the first sports league to do it. I mean, Lisa, take a bow. It was incredible. Well, thank you. I'm really, look, 
You know why we had a perfect record in the bubble? We had players that lived by the protocols. So I'd like to put credit where credit's due. We had a great medical task force that came up with the protocols, and we had players that lived by the rules, and they were hard. They were hard. But they played their hearts out. It was grit, grace, determination, and the Houston Dash just was the, an incredible story of sport. On any given day, anybody can succeed, and it was great to, to see that team finally get their win without ever going to a playoff before. And succeed you did. The numbers on TV, that first game with North Carolina Curries in Portland and then the final blowing away Premier League numbers. I mean, the TV audience and the anticipation – for the league, as you reflect on that, amazing, Lisa. Well, I think it goes to the fact that I think we're the best professional wins league. And, I mean, I know there's a lot of players that other leagues around the world would like to play in their league, and some of them are doing that right now. But they're all welcome home as soon as they want to come back. But I'm actually pretty excited because the U.S. is a growing soccer market, and we're going to attract new young talent. And one of the things that I'm really happy about with the fall series is not only are we going to see some of our favorite players come back to the pitch, I mean, talk about Mallory Pugh and Midge first last weekend in the uh, Sky Blue game, but you're going to see, you know, some exciting new talent that's going to be the future of the league. So we have both, and I think we're the best soccer on in America in professional women's sports, and it's fun to watch them. Indeed, and well said, and I love that glass-half-full approach because – you know the deal. Those players are coming back, and right now the short little window, I think it actually helps, not hurts NWSL in that it keeps the name out there. You know, hey, Sam Lewis from NWSL going overseas, she'll be back. You know you know they're coming back, right, Lisa? Uh, they're welcome, and I hope they all have my mobile phone number. So um, <laughs> we want them back. Okay, well, the fall series is back, as you already said. It kicked off with Washington and Sky Blue FC, the North Carolina Currys. We'll take on Houston. I'm looking forward to doing the pregame show for that one. It's an exciting time for everybody, right? Yeah, it really is. We have some of the best TV windows in broadcast, and we're going to take advantage of them to make sure that the American audience is really learning to love this game. I feel like, Lisa, as we wrap up our time with you, I actually do feel like if there's one league that can be COVID-proof, I think it's this league. Coming off the World Cup, getting into that bubble, just what you said, opening the door now for some younger players, maybe while some other players are stepping out for just a moment. If we can get through this, I feel like NWSL with the new and famous ownership of the L.A. team and Louisville, I mean, the sky's the limit, right, Lisa? I Look, I obviously think so, and I'm glad to hear you think so. So I'd really love to see. You know, the one thing I miss is I miss fans. So I think that's still the missing element for me. I know they're watching and I know they're on social media, but one day we'll get fans back in stadium because we miss them, and I know the players miss them as well. Lisa, to remind everybody, as they follow the fall series, if they want to know games and stats and everything else, where can they go? Where do they go online? Well, go to nwsl.com. Make sure you're following us at CBS. CBS is doing a great job digitally as well as on their sports news and CBS but also Twitch. Twitch is going to have mobile games for the first time exclusively with our new relationship, and they reach everybody outside the U.S. and Canada with all games. So make sure your audience is tuning in. We need the audience. I know our players are going to appreciate it. Well, speaking of relationships, let's end with this, because as I said, you came from the big sports business world, IBM and P&G, then you also worked with the NFL. You know how important sponsors are. I also feel like through all of this, through the pandemic and 
social injustice and everything else, I feel like sponsors are ready to put their money where their mouth is, Lisa, and support this league. Yeah, well, you know what? We can kind of check a lot of boxes. First of all, all of our sponsors, they want to see players and a game that can attract a worldwide audience, and we're doing that. And we have the media partnership with CBS and Twitch to do that. Number two, we attract a younger audience. Everybody wants that. Well, we know that with our staff that younger, this next generation of sports fans is going to be soccer-centric. The third thing is, you know what, it's about women and women's sports. Our time is now, and I know sponsors want to get behind that. They care about women's sports. We're proven to attract an audience. And when you can support a league with players like we have, you know, the best 60-plus players in the world play in our league. We have depth on every team. We're growing our markets. I mean, sponsors want to be associated with that. Lisa Baer, the new commissioner of NWSL. They're back in action, including this weekend. Thanks so much for kicking off the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the pitch this Saturday. Indeed you will, as I'll be doing the pregame show for the Houston Dash North Carolina Courage game for the North Carolina Courage. Looking forward to that. The NWSL, not the only league that is back. ACC men's and women's soccer will also kick off this weekend. Eddie Radwanski, now in his 10th year as the top man for Clemson women's soccer, will join us after this. The game hasn't changed, just the game plan. The United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention will be held January 11th through 15, 2021. In the coming weeks and months, we will be releasing more information on the big event, including presenters, diplomas, networking opportunities, and registration information. So stay tuned to hear more about what United Soccer Coaches will be putting together for the ultimate event for coaches of all levels. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Great to kick off the show talking NWSL. Most of the players in the NWSL came from college soccer. The ACC kicks off this weekend. Clemson, in fact, will go down to Jacksonville to take on Miami. Eddie Radwanski entering his 10th season as the Clemson women's soccer coach. He's a friend of the program, and he's kind enough to join me now. And, Eddie, great to be with you. And here we go. You guys are starting Saturday. Well, we're, you know, we feel very fortunate and blessed to get the opportunity to play. I know there's a lot of other players out there in schools that are not in that position. So we're very grateful for the opportunity. You know, Clemson's done a really good job of managing this crisis and pandemic. It was nice to see some great leadership, even though that's not something we've seen during this time frame. Credit to our kids. Gene, you know, they have followed the protocols and guidelines that have been set and have put themselves in the position to be ready to play. And uh, and we're excited to get on the field starting this weekend. You mentioned leadership. All of the ACC women's soccer coaches collectively had to come together. Obviously, NC State decided they couldn't pull it off. But just talk about that collaboration. Well, it, you know, it was great. It was a good collaboration on everyone's behalf. And, you know, we're all, you know, we're all disappointed and we hurt for Tim and his girls. But, you know, he's he's making the right decision that's applicable to them. The rest of us, you know, we kind of have a kind of an obligation to carry the uh, the flag for women's soccer at this opportunity. I mean, we're very humbled that we're going to have the opportunity to play. And, you know, we're going to, I know we talk about it with our team, you know, we want to play and honor those, our other sisters who maybe don't have that opportunity right now. So can we be grateful for this moment and take advantage of it and try to, you know, let our light shine a bit. What do you think, Eddie, about the thought of maybe playing some more games in the spring? Well, Dean, to be 
really honest with you, the opportunity that the ACC has done actually kind of gives us a little bit of a scenario of, you know, do we have our cake and eat it too, where we're going to have this opportunity to get our, you know, to get these games in in the fall. And if the spring happens to go, we're going to have the, the ability to get more games in. You know, and God forbid, if for some reason there's no soccer that takes place in the spring, then, you know, at least our girls got half a season in, so to speak. Fair enough, Eddie. And, you know, if we can finally get through this, and let's pray that it's coming sooner than later, and we get back to normal and soak in the brilliance of the NWSL and soak in the brilliance of college soccer and even the brilliance of the U.S. women's national team. I mean, if we can get through this, it really is a great time for women's soccer, isn't it? Oh, you're, you're spot on. And it's a shame that this virus hit at this time because the women's game in general, uh, especially coming off of the Summer's World Cup, you know, there was so much great momentum and positivity in the in the women's game. And it's still there, right? We just took a little bit of a detour. Uh, we have this great opportunity that we can continue to build on this momentum that's been going on. And we all have that opportunity. I mean, I always feel like women's soccer should be the number one preeminent sport for women's athletes in college. And I just think we all need to do a little bit of a better job of helping that, marketing it, reinforcing it. You know, we're, it's like the baton's being passed each decade. And ironically enough, here we are about to start a new decade. Can we make a difference as a team? Can we make a difference as a conference, the, you know, the ACC? Can we make a difference as a group, the NCA Division One programs? You know, we all have an obligation to, to do this well. I'd rather take the baton and move it forward as opposed to take the baton and drop it. We're of the mindset that the glass is always half full, not half empty. And being very optimistic, I mean, that starts with the power of belief. And I think we can all resonate with that. Well, Eddie, good luck against Miami on Saturday and your ACC season. Thanks for always being available for the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Eddie Radwanski, appreciate you. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. Say hello to all my coaching friends out there, and everybody stay safe and healthy. Eddie Radwanski, head coach Clemson women's soccer in the ACC, formerly of the ACC, were the Maryland Terrapins, three-time national champs, led by their legendary head coach, Sasso Sarosky. And how about Maurice Adu? What a career. Won a national championship at Maryland, was the first pick in the MLS draft, was the rookie of the year, played over at Glasgow with the Rangers, played in Turkey, did it all, national teams, you name it. He's done it. Now he is on Fox Sports, always looking dapper. Maryland Terrapins, Big Ten and Ten, when we return. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome to Big Ten Men's Soccer in 10, where we visit with all nine head coaches and a distinguished alumni from each of the programs. Today, it's the Maryland Terrapins. I'm Dean Linky, pleased to be joined by the man we call the professor, former goalkeeper at Indiana, Chris Monroe. Welcome, professor. Great to be here, Dean. And with the Maryland Terrapins, Sasha Sarosky, one of the true legends of the game, three-time national champion head coach, a true pioneer, and 
Marisa Dube, an Olympian, a World Cup, first pick in the MLS, Scotland, England, Turkey, you name it, he's done it. Now he dresses dapper every day on Fox Sports. Maurice and Sasha, great to be with you both. Thanks for having me. Honored to be here. Dean, Chris, always great to be with you. Anytime I can be in the same room with Mo, I'm very happy, so this is a great day. Well said, Sasha. Well, Maurice, I already rattled off all your great accomplishments. How did Sasha in Maryland help you prepare for all those great steps? When you have a culture that's built around pursuing and trying to accomplish and achieve excellence, then it creates a professional environment. And for me, a kid in California, uh, to convince me to go to, to leave my comforts of California and schools that were here, it, it, was a, it took a lot. And I think Sasha knew from the get-go that I wanted to become a professional. And when I went there and talked to him and saw the campus, saw the team, I just got a sense for, one, he was straightforward. He was going to challenge me. He was going to push me. And all those things happened. I think I grew as a player. I grew as a person. And I think most importantly, I was in an environment that forced me to change my mindset about how professional I pursued the game. And I think that's what really helped me to have success throughout the course of my career. Mo, speaking of relationships and how it's helped you evolve, looking back at your time with Rangers in Scotland, would you talk a little bit about how your friendship and relationship with fellow national teamer Demarcus Beasley helped you both on and off the field over there? You just described it there perfectly. When I went to Rangers, again, it's getting out of your comfort zone, going to a new level, having to up your game. You're going from being one of the top players uh, for me in Toronto, and now I'm at the starting again at the bottom of the Pro Bowl having to earn respect, earn my way there. And so for me, Bees provided that big brother role. He's smaller in stature, but he provided that big brother role. He, he accomplished most of the things that I was striving to accomplish, you know, having success internationally with the national team as well as uh, in Europe. And so just giving me guidance, giving me confidence to go out there and just play my game, keeping me focused and, and making sure I was staying out of trouble away from the pitch so that I could do and accomplish all the things that I was striving to do on the pitch. Let me add to that there, Chris. Um, you know, when I recruited Mo, uh, and I met with his family in his home, I said, Mo, what's your goal? What do you want to do? And he said, I want to play in Europe. And you could see in that eyes, and I immediately said, i got to get this kid. So I simply said, Mo, University of Maryland College Park from California, we're halfway to Europe. So, so if you want to go to Europe, this is the stop. This is the pathway. So rhetorically, I said, we're, we're, we're the best there. So he came and true to his goals, the year after he left Maryland, when he was rookie of the year with Toronto, he's playing for Glasgow Rangers. And it, it, was, it was an incredible story. But the other part is, Mo wanted to win a national championship. And, and uh, he was a key figure. He knew we had a good group there and uh he came there and, and he was a key figure to help us win a national championship and everywhere mo's been mo wins so uh it, it was great to uh i just love him <laughs> and then speaking to that 05 national championship team obviously guys like gary and rogers and king and birch yourself zuzi etc you know so much talent so many stars would you talk about how Coach Zorowski and the coaching staff brought that group together and helped you achieve that excellence. And then if you had to pick maybe one or two of those guys that really stood out in your three years at College Park, who would those guys be? (laughs) One is going to be a difficult task, but, you know, now that you now in hindsight, you look back at that team and I think in the moment we all recognize that we had a good team. But to see the careers and how everyone's careers progressed and everyone obtained a certain level of success. I give, I give Sasha a lot more credit maybe now than I even did back then because to balance and to keep that many personalities, that many um, 
with with talent comes egos, right? So to keep everyone in check and everyone to be bought into a single goal and a single focus, I think a lot of credit has to be given to him because that, that can't be an easy task. And at times, it makes it tough and difficult decisions about, you know, one player playing over another player. And like I said, as you get to a higher level, everyone, every player believes they should be playing. So uh, I think Sasha did a really good job of, of creating an environment where everyone was bought in. Everyone understood what the goal and what the focus was. The group was more important than the individuals. And we were brothers. You know, that group of players, if you talk to any of them, we still have bonds. We still communicate. We still cheer each other on from afar at times. And that's just something that's going to last with us for the rest of our lives. And it all started at College Park. And so to have gone through that journey throughout the course of that season, my two and a half, three years there, um, I loved every moment of it. And it's one of the moments that really highlight the course of my soccer career and my playing career. And to pick a player, though, that's it's a tough one because there were guys who came in um, maybe with, with smaller resumes but rose to be the cream of the crop, a guy like A.J. De La Garza. Uh, I think he's probably the one that I would pick up. During that season, A.J. wasn't supposed to, wasn't pinned or picked to be playing significant minutes, but because of circumstances when his name was called upon, he rose to the occasion and never looked back from there. And you see how his career has taken off. He's, he's, he's one of the ones that's still playing at MLS. And I, I give a guy like that a tremendous amount of credit. And I give Sasha credit for being able to identify a player like AJ, given the opportunity, trust in him, and then AJ just take it from them. Maurice and Sasha, I want you both to touch on this. I know, Maurice, you played in the ACC, but you watched the transition to the Big Ten. The Big Ten is so proud to now have an African-American as its commissioner, and Maryland has an African-American football coach. The Big Ten, even the Big Ten Network, stepping forward on Black Lives Matter. How do you feel about the role the Big Ten can play in this all-important issue, Maurice? I think it's hugely important and it's significant that they have been vocal and um, and the efforts that they put forward because I think the players have a responsibility, the fans have a responsibility, we all have a responsibility. And I think recognizing that responsibility and acting on it is, is highly important. Uh, the players obviously have huge platforms and many have been outspoken and vocal and done different things, have been doing different things in their communities for time, but now we're being recognized a little bit more for it. So. I think those who also are in position of power, it's highly important that they take the initiative and take some of that pressure off of, off of the players to go out there and keep fighting this fight, pushing things forward, having these conversations. But on top of those conversations and the education that comes along with those conversations, action action has to happen and there has to be a strong follow-up to, to support those, those words that are being ushered. Dean, and to add to that, you know, I'm so proud to work at the University of Maryland. This is a great place. It's a very diverse place. We've always had great diversity in our teams, but right now in particular, we have an African-American football coach, an African-American athletic director, and an African-American president. And that president has a son, Donovan Pines, that played at the University of Maryland. And I, I know that our team is committed to be agents of change. We've had a number of talks about what we can do. And as soon as we start, we're gonna be putting together a, a plan and platform to make sure that we are agents of change to try to eliminate some of the systemic racism and some of the craziness that our world has gone through. This is 2020. It should not be this way. And I think that we've all had a massive wake-up call. And trust me, we will be agents of change. 
So well said from both of you. As we close it out, Maurice, I do got to tell you that I touched base with your former roommate, Jason Gary, who also works for the Big Ten Network. And I did ask him about if there was ever any confusion about Freddie Adu. He said, well, hang on. I got a better story than that. In Charles Hall, Freddie Adu and Maurice Adu were rapping. Tell us about that. And I got to know if you can spit anything out real quick. <laughs> well, that came about because Call uh, Me Dark was a very close friend of Freddie. I knew Freddie from from playing days when we were younger as well. And, you know, Freddie, Maryland boy, ended up being there. Uh, but, no, there, there's a lot of – I'm glad that's the that he told you about, Charles. I think there's a lot of other things to talk about. But, yeah, that, that, that's good that we're talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some good time. Jason's a good guy. Um, but, yeah, no, it, we, we made the most of our downtime. We enjoyed being around each other, that camaraderie that started in, in moments like that, where we're sitting there rapping, myself, Kwame Darko, AJ, AJ Gapo, doing things like that built up that brotherhood that I think we all hoped would happen, and it did go on to extend onto the pitch, and that's why we were successful there. All right, it's Big Ten and 10, so we got to wrap it up. But, Sasha, quick soundbite. What is it about Maryland? I know you pushed for Friday Night Lights, but you got Taylor Twelman, Marisa Du, two of the media stars now that came out of your program. Well, we're really proud of Maryland. We also have Scott Van Pelt. He's a, he's a, he's not a soccer alum, but we, we Maryland's all over all over TV. We're very proud of it. Look, this is a great place. I, I've been here 27 years because I love it. There, there, there's great things happening on this campus. There's wonderful people coming through. Uh, you know, we, we've got young commentators right now working with us. They're going to be taking over. Uh, uh, you know play-by-play stuff, they're not going after your job. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but, but look, I, 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 you know how I feel about Maryland. I bleed, you know, red, red and white, black and gold. We have some goals to accomplish. We got the approval for a new stadium. We're going to move the track. We're going to build a soccer-only stadium here. I'm still trying to get a two-semester model uh, that, that will start here, you know, in this office, and that we hope to do that for the good of the game uh, at the right time. So we hope that the University of Maryland will, you know, remember as a school that cares about soccer and to help make the game better for all the players and coaches and fans. Well said. Marisa Du, honored to be with you. Thanks so much for being a part of Big Ten and Ten. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, guys. Nacho, thank you so much, sir. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. And Professor, always a pleasure. This is Big Ten and Ten, Maryland men's soccer. Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, meeting more members of our 30 under 30 class. Hard to believe, but we're almost done. We always enjoy an English accent on this show. Of course, we love having Ian Barker on, the Director of Coaching Education. He's got that English accent. So does Claire Knock, who is actually in England right now as she makes this call, but she's part of the Barcelona Bay Area Soccer Program. She actually runs the girls' portion of Barcelona Bay Area. And with that English accent, let's welcome Claire Knock. Welcome, Claire. Hey, Dave. How you doing? What is it about us American gringos that love that English accent so much? What is it about that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe our charm and wit. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's all important. 
You nailed it for sure. I got to hear your story a little bit, how your parents dropped you off. They didn't think that it was going to last, and 20 years later you're still doing it. And tell us about that time in England, and then tell us what made you decide to come to the United States, when you came here and everything you've done in the state. One of my best friends, Sam, she actually dragged me to a soccer practice. And uh, my mom was like, okay, like, she'll go once, get muddy, cry. And anyway, I'm still doing it. Um, that day, my uh, my dad and my friend's dad uh, said if we got enough girls together, they'd run a team for us. Over the years, we dragged in so many of our friends. Some of them, I'm sure, unwillingly, uh, but they came and played nonetheless. We played all the way up to U15, U16 together, and then we played women's soccer. I then went off to college at the University of Hull. I stayed there, I did my bachelor's in science for sports coaching, which was a great experience being able to play at the University of Hull and do a degree I love. After that, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was coaching a woman's team up in Hull, um, which is the east of England, uh, North Caribbean. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a PE teacher or a coach. I went, um, I just graduated from school and I ended up doing some marketing at a potato company, which my friends laugh at. They love that story. They think it's hilarious. I worked um, with potatoes for a couple of years. And from there, one of my friends actually went out to America um, with UK International and she just went for a summer and they camp and she loved it. So the following year, I decided to apply. The plan to come out for 2014. Anyway, I enjoyed the interview and the process so much. I was out within a couple of months, I think. It was a two-month turnaround, and I was out in California. And uh, I never looked back, really. It, it was a great journey. You meet so many people out here. I then um, met Mark Christie, who has coached everywhere in the Bay Area. He's a great coach over here. He got me involved with basketball in the Bay Area. I've been involved with that club for over five years now. It's a great program. It's a great area, South San Jose. And uh, at the moment, I'm missing it a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, we're dealing with this terrible pandemic. So did you head over to England right when the pandemic hit, or how long have you been over there? Not too long, but um, it's it's been tough, right? You've, you've got to do what's best for you and your, everything like that. So running lots of Zoom sessions, I mean, that's been... The one good thing with the pandemic is so many Zoom sessions and and over my years of coaching I've learned really that you you don't really get anywhere unless you ask and uh, and so that way we've had so many guest speakers on. My mentor Lisa Cole came on and spoke to all the girls and she was fantastic. And then we had Sophia Smith who was the number one pick from the draft. We had Sophie Jones who played at the earthquakes locally. We had Tommy Thompson who played for the men's earthquake, and then we had Kiki Pickett, who plays over at Stanford, and she was amazing. Uh, the love I got for Kiki Pickett after we had her on was phenomenal. So it was great, and they're just some of the people we had to come speak, and the girls really got something out of it when they could see someone like them who's achieved so much, and it hasn't always been easy. There's been injuries, there's been setbacks, and really telling them to enjoy this time, to really focus on themselves. Uh, don't worry about too much about the bigger picture right now. Worry about themselves and all their, their own touches and really pushing themselves to what they want to be. There's some impressive names. Lisa Cole, her ability to break down sessions and lead young people. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love Mr. Thompson, Sophie Smith. I mean, you definitely put it all out there. I was going to ask you, you know, being in England there, one of my favorite guests is Emma Hayes, who's the head coach of Chelsea. I think she does outstanding every time she presents. Laura Harvey always does a great job as well. Do you find some inspiration from these 
fellow English women's coaches? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was actually just uh, reading uh, some more about Emma Hayes recently, and, and uh, they're great role models for the game and for my scouts personally. I mean, when I was younger, it wasn't there wasn't really um, as many women role models, especially in the coaching side. Um, there was the odd one, but now it's everywhere. It's great to see, like, women are being given the opportunity. Like, in San Francisco, for the football team, they, they've got a woman coach. And now on the Giants baseball team, they have a woman first base, and co- first base coach. So there's a lot of opportunities for women out there, and I think no matter what sport you're in, the, the opportunities are getting bigger. Um, and it's just really showing the girls and the younger community now, okay, we can reach reach this potential, but we, we've got to want it. Um, yeah, sometimes it could be harder, but at the end of the day, you have as much opportunity as anyone else right now. Usually a lot of the rising English female coaches, when I ask them, like, who inspired them, they'll usually rattle off names like David Beckham and Gascoigne <laughs> and Shear and all men's players, right? Is it the same for you? Unfortunately, it is. Um, there was a player, Rachel Yankee, who was amazing. Hope Powell was the women's coach. And uh, actually, one of my friends that I dragged into playing soccer, we uh, went to watch the England, uh, an England game down in Peterborough, just down the road. And I was so mad because my dad was late home from work. And we ended up being late to the to the game. And we get there, and the entrance is shut off, everything's shut. And I'm thinking, great, we missed the game. Um, we must have only been about 12 years old. Anyway, we get in, and uh, my dad's like, hey, our friends left his, uh, like three tickets for us. It, it was under the name Paul. Anyway, they kept trying to say it was Paul Gascoigne. and was like, no. And uh, anyway, so eventually we got in, and they sent us this weird bag way through this lounge, and then we sat down, and it turns out we all sat with all the players' families, and we had the opportunity to meet all the players or their families at halftime. We met the families, and after the game, we actually got to meet a bunch of the players. So my dad always brings this up that, hey, sometimes it's okay to be late because look at the opportunities that's presented itself when, when things haven't always gone to plan. When, when something's gone wrong, things still work out. What a great story. Now, <laughs> the thing is, though, with the rise of England and their appreciation and promotion of English soccer, I mean, Man City is legit. I mean, there are other teams mm-hmm. over in England that are legit. I think Lucy Bronze, who played a little bit in the town that I live in, Chapel Hill, I think she might be the best player in the world, and she's a right back. It's changing now, right, where young English girls don't have to want to be David Beckham. They can want to be Lucy Bronze and some of the great players from England, right? Oh, absolutely, and it's great to see that now, like you said, we have these role models, and yeah, like... Who knew that everyone would want to be Lucy Bronze an outside back? Um, it's always been strikers. It's always been like a midfielder, right? Someone who's scoring the goals. So Lucy's scoring from where she is, but she's playing phenomenal. And she's such an inspiration to everyone. And all over the field, you've got players who everyone knows, um, and, and they want to be them. And rather than, like you said, being David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, whoever it is, now they want to be Lucy Brown. I love that. Well, and I like the fact that while you're proud of England, you clearly love your time in the United States. You clearly love being associated with United Soccer Coaches, or you never would have applied for this 30 Under 30 program. What has it meant to you to be a part of this exclusive club and also be a member of United Soccer Coaches? Oh, it's been amazing. I've been a member of United Soccer Coaches for many years, and it's great. Like, uh, there's so many courses and educational opportunities. Um, and then this 30 under 30 came up, 
um, and I was lucky enough this year. It was my final year to do it, and I'm I'm 30 now. So, and to get a mentor like Lisa Cole, she's been fantastic. It's been great, not only in this time, but I think just regular season to have someone to talk to on this journey. Um, she's so educated in the game and has so much knowledge to share. She's even recently set up a um, a group for all the women's coaches that were on 30 Under 30 with some others. So we can kind of share ideas. We've had some Zoom calls. I mean, Amanda Vandervolt was there among many. And, and one thing Amanda said was she was speaking about uh, mental health. And that really resonated with me because you don't always think about an eight-year-old having to deal with all these issues, right? And now their world has been turned upside down and everything's online. Nothing's really in person as much anymore. Even school in California, no one really is going back to school. Everything's going to be online. For them to deal with that and then we've had all these movements and protests and we've got so many um, essential workers in our club. We've got a lot of law enforcement, um, frontline workers. Um, so you mix all that together and everyone is going through something different and really making sure you're aware of what's going on I think is important as well as a coach. And, and now you've become so much more than a coach. I mean, I've always gone really well with my players and everyone I've worked with, I think one of the reasons is I'm just a big kid and uh, I relate, I seem to relate to them. But, um, but in this pandemic, you've had to be there for them. One thing I did with them over Zoom wasn't just always stop us. Once a week uh, within their teams, they'd come on Zoom and we'd, we'd play games. Nothing to do with soccer. We'd play like Disney Bingo and we'd play a wide range of things. And that's Amanda's point of mental health. Um, I think it's so important to keep their brains active and not let them worry too much about this whole situation. So well said, Claire Knox. And we'll end with my famous crystal ball question. You said it's <laughs> now 30. When you're 40, what do you think or what do you want to be doing, Claire? Any thoughts on that? This is a conversation that always comes up. And I honestly don't know. Um, I'm really loving coaching youth soccer right now. Uh, maybe going to coach education, something like that, and help other coaches continue to help the younger generation, uh, make sure they've got role models that they can aspire to be, whether they want to be players, coaches, whatever it is. I mean, CEOs, anything they want to be that gives, gives young girls the opportunity to keep, keep achieving their dreams. I got to end with, I really liked your name. It's interesting, too. You think about some great names in England, Bronze, Knock. I like that name. Did <laughs> people have a lot of knock on wood or go take a knock jokes or that kind of thing growing up? Oh, knock, knock all the time. Knock, knock, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> of course, absolutely. My brother and I, uh, we both had a, uh, Arsenal jerseys, and he was number nine. I was ten for Dennis Burkamp. And uh, we both had knock on the back of our jerseys. So whenever we would be out wearing them together, we always got, hey, knock, knock. (laughs) (laughs) Claire Knock, what a pleasure getting to know you. In fact, such a pleasure that Claire came up with the idea to actually hear from some of her young players, ages 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there, playing for Barcelona in California, and ask them how they're dealing with this pandemic and not being able to maybe be with their team every day. So a week or so ago, Claire, remember, said she plays games with her players on Zoom as well. She was able to set up the Zoom with three of her players. So, Claire, thanks for being such a well-deserved member of our 30 Under 30 class, and also thanks for setting up this interview with these young female soccer players, giving us kind of an inside look on what they're dealing with. Thanks for both of those reasons. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Claire Knock and some of her young female players on the Barcelona Club when we return. 
Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help, and who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches. Membership with United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We're mixing up the order because one of our 30 under 30 superstars, Claire Knock, she deserves it. You talk about an impressive interview. It's great to get to know her. Well, when we were done talking to her over in England, she said, you know what? What would it be like to talk to some of my players, 12, 13 year old young players, ask them in their own voices what they're dealing with. Claire, welcome back. And Claire, I got to tell you, what a great idea. Thanks, Dean. Well, first of all, I'd love being part of the 30 under 30. And I thought it'd be really interesting and important to hear from our players and, and really see what they've been going through rather than just hearing from us coaches and, and get it from their perspective a bit more. So here we go. Then we're going to talk to the stars of the Barcelona Bay Area 07 G1 team. And we've got the entire field cover. We've got Addison, who is the goalkeeper. We've got Ella, who's the center back. And we've got Mia, who can play in the middle of the park. So I'm going to ask all three of you, and we'll go in alphabetical order. So Addison, you're up first. Just in your own words, talk about how hard it's been to deal with this pandemic. It's been hard not being able to train with your team, not being able to see your friends. It's hard not to um, be in person with your team because there's like so much bonding that goes on when you're with them and that helps on the field. Ella? It's been hard for me also, especially not being able, you're trying to grow your team, but not being able to be with your team to help it grow. So you have to grow by yourself. But I've been able to work on things like my touch, strengthening parts of my body that I wouldn't usually do, like my arms. And I feel like I've grown a lot as a player through this pandemic. Mia? Like I said, um, I definitely have grown more during the pandemic because it lets me focus on things that I don't get to do like as a team as in like working out by myself I have more time to do my own conditioning and stuff like that and it definitely has shown us I think to value more of our practice. So Addy as a goalkeeper we've been on Zoom a lot have you been able to do anything as a goalie or what struggles have you faced being a goalie that a regular field player hasn't had the struggles of because obviously working on our individual touch is a lot different for you as it would be for Ella or Mia. Yeah, on Zoom, it's hard to train because we don't do group trainings for goalies because we only have a couple on the team. So I have to go off individually and train on my own. So yeah, it's been harder. That's true, Addy. So hopefully uh, we, we can continue to work on that and grow your goalkeeper skills. Ellie, what's been a positive experience and, um, and a negative experience you've taken away from this pandemic? A positive experience for me was really working on my touch because that really wasn't one of my strong suits. And a negative experience would be over this like quarantine time, I've really motivated myself and I want to go as far as I can in this game. And not being able to train with our team and play games has not been easy. Yeah, games are definitely one of our favorite parts, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Mia, um, we've, we've spoken to a lot of collegiate players, professional players. Who did you enjoy speaking with the most and what did you take away from that experience? I really liked talking to Sophia Smith because she seemed like a regular person when she talked to you, you know, she like she didn't intimidate you because she was like this big star and she gave really good advice that I definitely have been listening to and putting into the work that I've been trying to do over quarantine. Let's go in reverse order now. We'll start with you, Mia. And look, I know you've had a lot of coaches, but I'm really impressed with Claire, not just because of her English accent, but because of what appears to be a great connection to her players. This was her idea. She wanted to feature you, which I think is another tribute to how much dedication she has. When you think about Claire Knock, what does she mean to you, Mia? Coach Claire is a really nice coach. And when you meet her and you've been on her team, she just feels very welcoming. And you feel like you've known her for a long time. She's very supportive of you when you're on the team and she never points out many negatives she's always building not trying to take you down in any way great answer ella what does claire mean to you i've been with claire for almost five years and she's really built me as a player i came from rec when i saw her first and now I'm at the level that I'm at and Coach Claire is not only a mentor to me, but she feels really close to me. I feel like she's one of my good friends. I talk to her a lot and yeah, I feel like she's really built me as a player. Addison, what has Claire meant to you? I've been with Coach Claire for a long time, four years, right? I think she's a really good coach. She's always helping us with our like, touches and like giving us good advice on how to improve. Ella, I love seeing that Alex Morgan jersey on there. And then I like the tie-in to Claire Knock, because, by the way, England's pretty good on the world stage as well. Let's start with you, Ella. Who is your favorite player for the U.S. team and why? My favorite player was probably Brandi Chastain, because she, she was just such a role model. She just did so much. And it's my dream to, like, meet her one day and just be – just half of a player that she was. She was so amazing. Wow, I love that pick. That's my era. I was the press officer of that first World Cup. I know Brandy like that. All right, Mia, how about you? Who's your favorite player? My favorite player would have to be Carly Lloyd because she's really amazing. She can kind of, it looks like she can do anything on the field. And I love watching her highlights. She's very inspirational. Awesome. And how about you, Addison? Who's your favorite player? I'm thinking it's a goalkeeper. Um, actually, my favorite player is probably Alex Morgan because she's really good, really inspiring. Ella, with our Zoom sessions, has there been anything you've taken away, like any new skills you've learned, any techniques you've learned via our Zoom sessions? I've learned to just always push myself to as far as I can possibly go. And being on Zoom with your teammates, I'm very competitive sometimes. So if I see someone like and they can do something that I can't. I always say in my head, like, oh, my gosh, now I need I need to do that, and I need to do it really good. So just, like, pushing yourself. Awesome. And Addison, with our Google Classroom, how have you found that? Have you found that beneficial? Um, what have you taken away from that, uh, and how have you enjoyed it? I think doing the Google Classroom has been very beneficial for my personal training because I haven't trained a lot before on my own. So now that I've been trying – I've been doing those – on my own, as well as doing online practices. So I feel like that's been really good for me. And Mia, um, keeping fit, how have you been keeping fit during this pandemic? 
Actually, right before this, I had taken a run around the neighborhood. My brother rides his bike alongside me, so we can run around. But I've been doing a lot of workouts, and I think it's been beneficial because I can work on my own fast footwork, and I never really got to work on that by myself. Ella, what's your parents' message to you about safety and how you deal with all of this? Well, I've been just training by myself all the time. I have an older brother, and he's going to college in two years, so I get to see how far he's come and what he does. And my dad, he coaches the Christopher High School varsity girls soccer team. On that team, he's basically like every girl's motivator, so he always motivates me to be as good as I can possibly get, and he's such a role model to me. That's a really nice answer. I really appreciate that. Addie? I've been training a lot with my dad lately. He's helped me a lot, helped me push myself a lot, and my parents are very supportive of me playing soccer, and they have been helping me a lot through this pandemic. Ella, when you graduate from high school, maybe you haven't thought about it yet, but I'm guessing you probably have. You've dreamt about it, that type of thing. Like, where do you want to be? Do you want to play college, soccer in college? What do you want to do when you grow up? After high school, I would really love to play D1 college soccer at any college like Duke or Stanford, Santa Clara. And after that, it would be a dream to play on the national team or any professional team, really. That's an outstanding answer. Have you thought about what you want to do after you get out of high school, Addison? I have. I really want to play on a college team like Ella. And then after that, uh, it would be awesome, really awesome to play on any professional team. And have you guys thought about what you might major in? Because one of the great things about being an elite level athlete is you get a free college education. It's not easy because you got to balance, particularly the schools that you mentioned, Duke, Stanford, Santa Clara, you got to balance, you know, being an athlete and your classwork. What do you think you might want to major in? We'll start with you, Ella. I maybe want to major in business or agriculture because my parents are both winemakers. Oh, that's cool. I'm digging that. <laughs> what kind of wine? What's the name of the wine? Uh, it's Fernwood Cellars. Fernwood Cellars. All right, I'm going to pick me up some of that, okay? <laughs> Fernwood Cellars. Okay, how about you, Addison? Any idea? And, and if you don't know, that's fine. I mean, you're young, but do you have an idea what you want to major in? Um, no, I haven't really thought about that very much. <laughs> not, not yet. That's a fair, honest answer. Now, I guess the best way to end it, and too bad Mia fell off, let's say this pandemic is over and everybody gets a vaccine and we're rolling again. How good can this collection of talent be this 07 G1 Barcelona Bay Area team. Ella, how good can you guys be? I think that with all of our hard work, we can really, really make it far. I think that we could win NorCal because we have before. Addison, how good can this team be? I think that we can do really well because all of our, we've all been training on our own. And I think that's going to help a lot when we get back together as a team. Having worked on all of our individual skills will help us improve. All right, Ella, here's the deal. If you do win, you've got one job. I'm getting, I'm going to give it to you right now, okay? You need to figure out who the two people are that grabs the Gatorade bucket and dumps it on fair knock. Can you make sure that happens? I will. <laughs> <laughs> One thing with this team is is they're definitely team players. They've built themselves up, and they're a credit to themselves for sure. Uh, they've worked hard over the last five years that they've been together, 
And if anyone deserves to keep getting promoted within our local leagues and even further, it's definitely this group. Ella, how would you say as a team, what would you say you're looking forward to most when we get to come back? I'm looking forward to playing those teams that when we see that we're playing them, we all get really nervous. I'm looking forward to just playing a game with our team and seeing how much of our hard work really did pay off. And Addison, how about you? What, what are you looking forward to when we finally get back together? I'm looking forward to seeing our team like how we're going to be playing once we start playing games and just seeing everybody because it's hard not to see everyone during this pandemic. As the parent of two kids, now they're older than both of you, but you know, it's not easy growing up. And then to add this pandemic, one of the things that we're extra sensitive about is just the mental fatigue that this pandemic weighs on particularly you know young girls that are dealing with uh, everything that you got to deal with so starting with you Ella how have you dealt with the mental strain of all of this because it's pretty heavy even on an old guy like me you know what I mean it's been really really hard just to think about so many people and the way that their families are hurting and the way that they're hurting but just seeing and thinking about getting back to normal, getting to see our team, to see everyone in my class, going back to normal kind of, it gives me hope and just looking forward to something. Can you add to that, Addie? It's been hard, but I'm looking forward to getting back to normal. And it's hard because this whole pandemic thing is really scary and not being able to see other people's hard too. This is pretty cool. Claire did this, don't you think, Ella? Yeah, it's been really cool. Thank you, Coach Claire. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Great stuff. Make sure you tell Mia we said thank you too, okay? Thank you. Claire, well done you. Way to organize this. This is really neat. And it also shares what kind of connection you have with your young team members pretty special indeed for me to see it on the zoom and hopefully those listening now to the united soccer coaches podcast can hear exactly what i'm talking about well done claire thanks dean and thanks to mia ella and addy thank Thank you and i want to thank every one of our outstanding guests today the show was loaded all of these shows have been loaded of late hope you enjoy i want to thank sean chevrolet mike knipper and all the great folks at united soccer coaches for each and every one of them i'm dean linky stay safe everybody